Hello and welcome to Journeying Through the Scriptures podcast, the podcast where we walk through God's Word together. Today we continue our journey through the book of Lamentations. Today we're going to look at Lamentations chapters 1 and 2. And this is entitled, I guess, if you had, if I had to give it a title, it would be God Don't Play. Because the theme of chapters 1 and 2 is that God doesn't play when it comes to sin. Or, or better rendered and probably more professionally rendered. God rightfully judges sin and his anger burns against it. That is the theme of chapters 1 and 2. So if you're looking for a fluffy you know, hope-filled message, you're probably not going to find it here. What you're going to find is that we are fallen people and that we, because we're fallen people, are broken and we live in a broken world and we do broken things. And that's going to be one of the mainstays throughout the chapters 1 and 2 and really 4 and 5 with brief little moments of, of a breath of fresh air. And so what I want you to do is don't get lost in that, don't get discouraged in that, but take this time, take this episode, go back and, and, and read chapters 1 and 2 of Lamentations, and it's hard, but read it, and sit in it, and pray over it, and ask God to reveal the sin in your life, that you might repent of it, so this what what happens so you don't find yourself like Jeremiah lamenting over the wrath of God in your life, the consequences of your sin. Um, instead, repent and turn to Christ. And I, and I want you to to feel that tension. Lamentations is a is like I said in the introduction is a tough book, and I I you know it makes me excited to get to Ezra and Nehemiah because they're easier to teach through, they're easier to read and to think on. Lamentations was a real struggle for me because it it brought me face to face with my own sinful heart, my own sinful mind. And it, it just didn't leave me feeling happy, but left me feeling that I needed Christ, which is probably a better place to be. And I hope that at the end of this, you don't feel discouraged, but you feel that you need Christ. And you would realize that, man, we really need Christ. So let's dig in. So chapters 1 and 2 of Lamentations, put one way, the Lord doesn't play. Chapters 1 and 2 are scary. This is a snapshot of the anger of God, his wrath poured out on Judah. It should scare us, too, to some degree. We don't serve a fluffy puppy of a God. We serve an all-powerful, all-consuming, mighty God. He is worthy of awe and wonder, respect, and obedience. While so much is said of his love, in terms of culture, chapters 1 and 2 focus on his mighty wrath. And one must add just his wrath in chapters 1 and 2. By the end of chapter 2, the reader is desperate for God's love, but you must wait until chapter 3 for that. Yet, don't rush through the harsh stuff. It's so easy to rush through chapters 1 and 2 and say, it's too tough, it's too hard, it's too dark. Don't rush through it. And this is why the, heart, the, the resolution in chapter 3 is so sweet and so refreshing because of the dark dissonance of the first two chapters that we're going to look at today. So that's a little rundown of what we're about to dig into. And I want to focus on the first thing. This is a snapshot of God's wrath. 
and it's scary because God is scary. I like how C.S. Lewis puts it um, with his Narnia books where uh, one of the children asks about Aslan, is he safe? And uh, Mr. Beaver says, of course he's not safe. He's a lion, but he's loving and he's good. That might not be an exact quote, but that's a you know about what he says. That's kind of the general idea. And, and that's true of God, and that's what C.S. Lewis was kind of pointing out. Is God safe? No. Uh, he, he's capable of many, many things that would scare us because he can destroy the world without even a blink. That's the kind of power he holds. I mean, understand the power of God is absolute, and that to some degree is scary, but we have this promise from Scripture. Is he safe? No, but he's good, and he's loving. And what I said in the little synopsis there is that we, while much is said of God's love, now there is much to say on the love of God, and there is much to dwell on, and there is much to be thankful for, but I think sometimes we focus so much on the love of God, we, we focus exclusively on that, and we, to our own detriment, we focus on an incomplete picture of God. Yes, He is love, and the, the Bible says that. But he is also just, and he is holy, and part of that is his wrath. And we don't like to think of God as wrathful. Um, But yet, he does have wrath, and it is poured out. And it will be poured out in the end time. So don't neglect that. Get a complete picture of God. He is good, and he is loving. But yet, there there is a consequence for rebellion against him. We should put it, sustained rebellion against him. So we want to look first at the judgment, or his judgment and his wrath. So chapters 1 and 2, that scary snapshot, we see that in verse 1, 13. Let's look at that. From on high, he, that's God, sent fire into my bones. He made it descend. He spread a net for my feet. He turned me back. He left me stunned, faint all day. My, this is Jeremiah speaking, transgressions were bound into a yoke, verse 14. By his hand they were fastened together. They were set upon my neck. He caused my strength to fail. The Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I could not or cannot withstand. The Lord rejected all my mighty men in my midst. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trotted in as in a wine press, the virgin daughter of Judah. And he continues on with much uh, more imagery like that. So if you're, that, that kind of gives you, this is the snapshot of his wrath. He causes his strength to fail. He gives him into the hands. And this is literally what is happening in the context of the, the story here. Judah is being given into the hands of Babylon. Babylon is not to be seen as triumphing over God. God is allowing or giving Babylon the victory over Judah because of Judah's sin. So we get his wrath is thorough as well. So we get as we get that picture. It's a thorough wrath. wrath sorry, wrath. Uh, thorough wrath, where it, it it just hits every aspect of life. And it hits every part of society. You know, there uh, Jeremiah is talking about his his personal sin and some of his results. But as he looks at it, and as he continues to look at the picture, I mean, you get a picture of everybody's downtrodden. You get 
you get the lonely city, you get, it was once full of people, you get the widow, um, she was like a widow, that's Judah, um, she was great among the nations, she was a princess among the nations, now she's a slave, uh, Judah weeps bitterly in the night, I mean, this is complete, I mean, down to mothers cannot feed their children, I mean, it, it is, you, you are to sense this thorough, absolute, it, it infiltrates every part, the wrath of God. We also see that his wrath is warranted. So we would say, wow, what in the world? What's going through Jeremiah's mind as he's looking at this? Well, for one thing, it's brokenness, right? The book is called Lamentations. He's lamenting. But but it's warranted. He understands the Lord is right. In fact, in verse 1, 18, he says, The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. But hear all you peoples and see my suffering. And he goes on, see my young women, see my young men have, have gone into captivity. See, in the midst of God's judgment and wrath, Jeremiah rightfully sees he's right. God is just to do this. His wrath is warranted. And in our lives, when we reap the, the consequences of sin that we have sown, and the wrath of God is poured out on us, it is warranted. When we look at the, the promises of the end times where those who have called on the name of the Lord will be saved, but those who have not will be sent to the eternal fire, and we think, boy, that's harsh. But we see through Scripture it's warranted. God is right. And the attitude of a believer is to look at the sin in your life and to look at the consequence of that sin and go, God is right to let this happen to me. Because I have sinned, I have rebelled. Watch Jeremiah's words. I've rebelled against his word. And we have rebelled against the word of God. And we warrant the wrath of God when we do. And praise God, we get the grace of God more than we get the wrath. Or else we would not be standing. So what is our response to his wrath? And I want to look at that quickly. Well, we have weeping and brokenness for sin is one response. Chapter 1, verse 16 says, For these things, it's all the things that I've just read, the, the, the wrath of God being poured out, the destruction that it's caused. For these things I weep, and my eyes flow with tears. For my comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. And in chapter 2, verse 16, sorry, not verse 16, verse 18, he says, Their heart cried, now this is Judah, Their heart cried to the Lord, a wall of the daughter of Zion. Let the tears stream down like a torrent day and night. Give yourself no rest, your eyes no respite. Because sin should cause weeping and brokenness. And when's the last time? This, this is where we, we stop and we look in the context and go, when is the last time in my life did I weep over my sin? Did I weep over my rebellion towards a holy God? And as I read through these passages, it caused me to stop and say, when is the last time that I really, more than just going, God, I'm sorry I did this. God, I'm sorry I thought that. God, I'm sorry I didn't treat that person right. Did I weep over that? Did I, did I let my eyes flow like torrents of rain? Because I had sinned against the holy and good God. And if nothing else, this morning, pause and think. Read, read through that. Read chapter 2, at least. 
and stop and think, when is the last time that I poured out my heart to God and, and in terms of being sorrowful for our sin, not merely like, eh, I guess I should for, ask for forgiveness because it's the right thing to do, or man, I got caught, or man, the consequences are bad. No, but you cried because the sin was so bad. And remember, there is no little sin that you cried over the sin in your heart. Our response, this is kind of what I wrote in meditation, our response to our fallenness and God's judgment, our hearts are to cry out and tears flow. Genuine sorrow is the result of God's judgment. Our brokenness is poured out before God in this sorrow, in this crying. This is what it looks like, that we pour out our brokenness before God. This crying out is to God, it is pleading, it is longing for His peace and His presence and His grace. That is what it looks like and that is what it means to weep over our sin. But you can't just weep over it and do nothing. We must have repentance, admitting and confessing sin. And all throughout chapters 1 and 2 we see Jeremiah stop like we read in one thirteen or yeah, sorry, one eighteen, where he says, I've rebelled against the word of God. He acknowledges this, and he calls the people throughout chapters 1 and 2 to turn from their evil ways, not to continue in it. And we must weep and pour our brokenness before God and then repent and stop the sin that we're doing and do it no more, confess it, and, and turn from it. And then we need to acknowledge God's righteousness. And again, I've already pointed out several examples where Jeremiah says God is right. He is righteous. He is still good in the midst of his wrath. He is still good. And so these are the responses, weeping, repentance, and acknowledgement of God and his righteousness in the midst of our fallenness. These are ways we, we respond to God's wrath, respond to the sin in our life. And the last way is we're going to call out to God. This calling out to God needs to be genuine. Jeremiah is not playing word games here. He's genuinely calling out for the presence and mercy of God. There's persistence. And we notice in the, in the passage that I just read, he, he says, Let your tears stream down like a torrent day and night. Give yourself no, res, no rest and no respite. And he continues on, Arise and cry out in the night at the beginnings of the night watches. And he, he gives this picture that our... Our calling out needs to be persistent, no rest, no respite. This is a call for God's persi or for persistence from desperation because we need to be desperate over our broken, the brokenness of our sin. And so there's persistence uh, in this, and there's pouring out of our hearts. And I love how Jeremiah in, in 2.20 says, Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Isn't it beautiful that we can do that? by the way, isn't it beautiful that we can pour out our heart in the presence of God and He will hear and He will listen. And I love that in the middle of all this bad and going on in Jeremiah's world, I mean, his city was under siege. It was bad. Women were literally cooking their children. That, that happened. They had no food. They were starving. The rich looked like the poor and desolate because they had lost everything. People were being carried away into captivity. This is the loss of everything he had hoped and dreamed for. As he looks at the people he's supposed to lead spiritually, they are broken. And yet in the midst of this, he calls for God to look and see and says, because you do see and you do hear. And these are beautiful breaths of fresh air for us that even when things in our lives are going crazy and broken, 
God hears. Cry out to him. Pour your heart out to God. He will hear and he will answer. That doesn't mean he'll make all the bad stuff go away, but he'll give you his presence during those things. See, for Jeremiah, he understood why it was happening and yet realizes it's warranted. Remember, it's warranted. And he loves God even in the midst of that. So let's conclude as we wrap up. Again, I want these episodes to be shorter. Our sin is serious in God's eyes, and we often downplay sin in our lives. It's not a big deal to us often, but it is. this is a dangerous thinking. God takes sin so seriously, and so too should we. And so if you get nothing out of chapters 1 and 2, I want you to get God takes sin seriously. We often don't. So we need to start taking our sins seriously. Repent, cry out, be broken over it, and call out to God for His grace and mercy. He will give it. Thank you for journeying through the scriptures with me, and I look forward to continuing our journey through the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, next week. A breath of fresh air.